My name is Jacob Stoops. And I'm Jeff Luella. And you're listening to the Page Two Podcast. This is our podcast about the people of the SEO industry. We chronicle the real life stories, experiences, challenges, and advice from some of the most amazing people in the business. In today's episode, we talk with Andrew Cox Starkey, better known as Optimizee. Andrew runs an SEO consultancy out of Cambridge, England, working with clients all over the globe. He also runs one of the most popular SEO meetups in the UK. We talk about how Andrew's career began 20 years ago as a broadcast journalist working at the BBC with a focus on cricket and football. That's the UK football, not the United States football. Uh, And how the emphasis placed on creating fresh and timely content around sports stories of the day really opened his eyes to the power of building traffic online. Additionally, we talk about his time as the web editor at Newsworks, his management of the website for the Marleybone Cricket Club MCC, which I believe plays at Lords, which I know nothing about (laughs) because I'm just a stupid American. Uh, how it all led him to found his own SEO consultancy, Optimizee, what it's like running the Optimizee SEO meetup, his Optimizee video series, and more. We also touch on the news that Google has started dropping a site's normal snippet when a featured snippet is displayed. Uh, pretty big development. Uh, as well as the sunsetting of the support for datavocabulary.org as a schema language. And last but not least, we dive into a few overlooked SEO fundamentals. So get your popcorn ready as we tell Andrew's SEO story and have another great roundtable discussion. Hey everybody, uh, this is Jacob Stoops, and before we start today's episode, um, I just wanted to, to take a moment to address a, a very current event that for me has um, has personally impacted me. Quite honestly, it, it knocked me on my ass um, as a sports fan. Um, and just as a, as a person, uh, and I'm not usually the kind of person to kind of talk about these things. And if you're thinking this is an SEO podcast, like just talk about SEO, um, you're absolutely entitled to, to your opinion and you can feel free to, to skip ahead and just get straight into the episode. Um, I will say I speak for, for Jeff as well. Um, one of the things about both of us as people is we're very into sports. Um, and if you haven't heard the news um, yet, gosh, I, I'm sorry to be breaking this to you. It, I'm sure you probably have. But uh, yesterday, um, Kobe Bryant, uh, famous, famous, uh, iconic basketball player, um, was killed in a helicopter crash. And upon hearing the news, and not only that, um, Eight other people, one of them being his 13-year-old daughter, um, were also killed. And I'm I'm not here to be a, a news reporter or or anything. Definitely not trying to make lie to the situation. But quite honestly, like for whatever reason, I'm not sure. I've never really felt this with with any other celebrity. It just knocked me right on my ass. Um, it it was like a slap across the face. I I, I couldn't believe it. Um, I've been watching Kobe. Um, honestly, since I was in high school, that was when he got drafted. He was 41. Uh, I'm now 37, almost 38. So not that much older than me. And, um, honestly, 
one of the greatest players I've ever seen in my in my life, and I've got a lot of basketball memories. Um, I feel like it's appropriate to cut this into this episode because we do talk a little bit about sports. Um, our guest Andrew has a sports uh, background, so for for whatever reason, it just feels appropriate to talk about. And the reason I want to talk about it is because this is, as you know, it's an SEO podcast, but it's also a podcast that focuses on SEO life and more importantly, life. And there are times where I am just struck by the, what I, what I can only call by the random, sudden permanence of, of life. Um, and the reason that this one probably really hit me a lot harder. And honestly, I like, I, I, woke up thinking about it. I've been thinking about it since I heard the news yesterday is I think of the families impacted. I think of his 13 year old daughter and what they must have been going through in their last moments. I think of the family left behind. And if I'm being quite honest, um, something happening like this is one of my personal greatest fears. Um, and again, just trying to be real, just talking about life, but, um, People are afraid of a lot of things. I think for me, the biggest thing that I'm afraid of is something as simple as a a car accident or something that is completely unexpected that would take me away from my family or take my wife away from our family or my kids away from our family before it's their time. Um, And and I got to be honest, that's scary. And I can't imagine what people in those situations go through and what the families uh, of the tragedy yesterday are going through. So I know this is an SEO podcast. I just wanted to take a moment to comment on that because I'm personally, I'm feeling it a little bit. Um, I know I've, I've never met Kobe. I've never met any of these people, but I'm sure that I'm not the only one that is, um, that is feeling affected. And really it made me think of my own family. Um, I've got three young kids and I just cannot imagine what they might be going through right now. So I'm not really a huge thoughts and prayers person. Um, when tragedies happen, I, for whatever reason, I just feel weird about the thoughts and prayers without doing anything. Um, but in this type of a situation, like what can you really do other than thoughts and prayers? So I'm going to break, break my own credo. Um, this has definitely been on my mind and, um, yeah, just hug your, Hug your loved ones uh, tight. Um, keep them close. Uh, don't take anything for granted. I've said it before, I think. Uh, maybe on here, maybe not. Um, but somebody said it to me a while back. The most valuable thing you can give to anybody, that you can give to your kids, to anybody, is your time. Um, because you don't know how much time you have. You can't get it back. So if you're thinking today, oh, I've got this other thing to do. I don't have... I don't have time uh, for this person or for this thing. Um, Maybe think again. Maybe you do. Maybe you can make time. Maybe you can get off your phone uh, for a second and take that time and spend it with your loved ones or spend it doing something for yourself. Um, And yeah, that's all I have to say. Um, Now we can get into the episode, but I really felt like I, I just, I felt compelled to address that and to get my thoughts out there because it is, Um, It's affecting me and it's a a terrible, terrible tragedy. So without further ado, um, here's the episode. Enjoy.
Hey, everybody. Uh, this is Jacob Stoops, and we are back with another episode of the Page Two podcast. And as usual, I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. Jeff Luella. How's it going, Jeff? It's going well. How's everyone doing out there? Again, Jeff, they cannot answer you. We're, cool. We're not. Recording. Oh, but they're going to answer me. Someday. <laughs> Someday. Someday. And when somebody does, you're going to be scared because it's going to be a goat. Just tweet back at me and say, uh, how you doing? <laughs> All right. And we are joined uh, by Mr. Andrew Cox Starkey, better known as Optimizee. Hi, guys. Andrew, do you ever feel like people don't know your last name because most people <laughs> think of you uh, in, 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 the, uh, in the realm of Optimizee? Yes, and I don't think that's a bad thing. Um, okay. So my uh, surname is is an interesting one. So uh, the the cock thing was fun at school. Um, sure. <laughs> so being known as Andrew Optimizer is fine by me. Okay, all right. And I think there was um, there was one time uh, where I and this is before we had communicated about you coming on the podcast, where I somehow had read. Uh, well, we had a guest, Tom Rayner, who's also over in the UK. And for some reason, there's an Andrew Rayner. And I got you confused with that that other Andrew. And I and you definitely corrected me and said, <laughs> not this guy's brother. I'm not related to him in, 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 in any way. And I was like, I'm an idiot. I'm, I'm Lots of Andrews. Not so many Cockstarkies in the world. There right. are five, and they're all in my family. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, I, I can't imagine um, can't imagine growing growing up with with that. Lad. I don't want to belabor it, but yes, I, I'm. Uh, <laughs> I can make it worse for you if you'd like. So I was Andrew Cock when I was at school. The Cock Starkey thing is my, my wife and I portmanteauing our names. So she was like, "If I'm taking your stupid name, you're taking mine," which, which seemed reasonable. So we we yeah. went double barrel and Cock Starkeyed it, just because the other way around it sounded a little bit descriptive. So th- that is um, that is. That's a, that's a bold, uh, a bold move. And I, I do commend you with that because so my last name obviously is, is Stoops, which is, it's not like, it's not a very cool name. And my wife's maiden name was Picciano. She's very Italian. It's the kind of name that you say with your hands. Mm. Um, and because she loved her last name and thought my name was just kind of meh, um, she suggested uh, very loudly that I take her last name. And in the end, I, I did not, I, I, uh, <laughs> I did not bend to uh, to to the uh, uh, untraditional untraditional arrangement. She took my last name, and she still wishes that, that I had taken hers because it's just a better last name. And I, I admit, <laughs> it is a better last name. It is a much cooler last name. Yeah, I've considered con- changing to Andrew Optimizer by deed poll, but I haven't got that far yet. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So. Um, for anybody who is a first-time listener, and um, despite the fact that we've been quote-unquote on on air, um, we are attracting, uh, I think, a lot of first-time first-time listeners as more people kind of organically discover our little niche podcast. Um, so let me, if you're a first-time listener, let me explain the podcast a little bit. One, um, it's not a it's it's not just a straight knowledge dump. It's it's never been. Uh, about just let's get on and talk about how much we know because I I will fully admit I don't know everything that there is to know about SEO. I've done it for a long time, uh, but I don't know everything there is to know. And I would I would uh, imagine and uh, Jeff or Andrew, you probably uh, feel the same way. No, no, I know everything. Oh, you do? Okay. Well, no, damn. I'm kidding. <laughs> 
Well, it, so when I was creating this podcast um, way, way, way back over a year ago, I thought like, okay, well, I don't know everything, but I want to put content out there and I do have an opinion. What's the unique angle that I can take, that I can take uh, in, in what is kind of my value proposition for the podcast? And for me, I've always found it really, really interesting um, that SEOs always come from different places, almost always. Um, you rarely go to to college, um, and, and maybe maybe the youngins, the younger folks, uh, do you do go to college for SEO because they somewhat teach that nowadays. But um, if you if you've spent any time in the industry, um, you've probably chances are you come from someplace else. And I find that those origin stories are fascinating. And the other thing that I that I really um, wanted to key in on is nobody really talks about like the day-to-day struggles of being an SEO. And we all kind of halfway complain about them on Twitter, but nobody had a show that really just focuses in on what it's like um, and what it would be like for maybe an outsider um, to hear two SEOs really talking candidly if, if they were a fly, as if they were a fly on the wall in the room with those two SEOs. So that's kind of the focus um, the focus is uh, uh, the part one of the of the three legged stool is the backgrounds. Um, in season two, when we brought uh, Jeff on, we wanted to kind of mix it up a little bit and still focus on the backgrounds. But we also wanted to talk about the news because, believe it or not, we've got a lot of opinions about the current events uh, in SEO, and we want to share them. Uh, in today's uh, today's news is uh, around the featured snippet. Uh, update that just kind of dropped. Uh, we love to listen back to old news, you know. Yes, like I, and I know people that are <laughs> people that are listening to older episodes want to hear our opinion about old news as well. Um, <laughs> yes, for those people that try to keep up to date, uh, yes, we are definitely going to be covering the news of the day and reacting to it. And today is really going to be centered around the featured snippet update. Uh, and then, then the third leg of the stool is kind of a deep dive where we kind of. Uh, pick a topic and we just dive into it and share our thoughts. And this is kind of the part where there is a bit of a knowledge, a knowledge drop where we, um, where we try to share our experience and our knowledge about a predetermined topic. And today's predetermined topic is going to be overlooked SEO fundamentals. Uh, So we'll get, uh, get into that towards the uh, end of the episode. Um, But without further ado, um, Andrew, what is your, background origin story how'd you get into seo yeah like lots of people in a really circuitous way so when i started out working i didn't even know what seo was i'm old enough to remember um having to have a friend set up my first email account for me because uh, there was this thing called hotmail and it was like <laughs> i don't know what this is and um i remember we had a guest lecturer come in and teach us how to use alta vista as this newfangled search engine things and it was all just you know the internet was like that'll never catch on um, so I, I was uh, training as a journalist. So I was uh, aspiring as a, a young man. I wanted to be um, a football player, um, soccer for you guys. Um, but I, I soon caught on to the fact that I was actually not very good at it. Um, but I still really love the game. And so I thought, right, well, what I can do is I can write about it. So I'm quite good at writing and I can just get paid to watch football. That sounds like a really great job. So I was going to be a journalist and study that at university, went to work for the BBC, um, who most, most Americans, you guys, you guys heard of the BBC, right? So that was a really yes. big deal for me, going to work for the BBC and getting paid to sit and watch sport. And that was great. 
And one of the things we did was we monitored news wires and all these kind of breaking stories about, you know, X players broken his you know, left toe or is going to be available this weekend or not available. And we'd update all these stories as the day went on and change things. So, you know, it's a real race to be the first to write for the, your website, get it up on the BBC website first before all the competitors and then update the story as you went along. And of course we monitored the web traffic and it was really interesting to me to note that when the story hadn't really changed much at all, but we'd kind of changed the headline, I guess in, in hindsight, it was kind of a bit clickbaity to change the headline to make it look like the story had updated and suddenly the traffic would go nuts. And it's like, well, nothing's really happened. What, what happened? Why did more people find that? And it was, you know, then I kind of got into this thing of us oh, because we put this word in the title. And now that means we rank when people are searching for, you know, Manchester United players or Manchester United news or Manchester United, whatever. That was the stuff that then, oh, there's this thing called SEO. And, you know, you can kind of fiddle with things and, you know, turn dials and fiddle with knobs and traffic goes up or traffic goes down. And that was kind of interesting. That's when I kind of got the bug of, this is interesting. This is stuff that I can learn about and do more things with and find, you know, what are the levers that you push and pull to make traffic go up and down. So that's how I first got into it. Um, I guess then from there on, shall I keep going? Is this interesting for you guys? Yeah, that's great. <laughs> so, uh, then I went to work for a company uh, called Newsworks um, in the UK. So uh, their job was uh, promoting advertising in newspapers. So all the kind of uh, big mediums like newspapers and radio and TV in the UK, they all have these kind of industry bodies uh, that kind of uh, rep for them, sort of saying, you know, you should spend your advertising dollars in our medium rather than anybody else's. And the uh, Newsworks company were repping for newspapers saying you should spend your money in newspapers, which in this kind of newfangled era of the internet, all the money was you know, racing out towards TV and the internet and newspapers were dying and still are. Um, and we had the job of trying to make newspapers look good online, which is really hard because one of the things we, I spent a lot of my time doing and people who uh, spend a lot of time in Photoshop will remember this, but uh, dodging and burning. So you're trying to make white things whiter and black things blacker, but to try and make you scan a newspaper in to kind of show well, look, you know, Nike or whoever it is, this cool center page spread in the newspapers and you'd scan it and it would look terrible, like really awful. So you think, you know, we're supposed to be championing newspapers and we're going to put this on our website looking like a piece of junk. So we would be touching it up to make it look like it did in real life. Uh, so a lot of time dodging and burning and doing stuff for them. Um, and then I worked for a company called uh, Marlebone Cricket Club. So this is going to be another British American sports thing. So cricket, mm -hmm. so like, like baseball, but lasts five days and still ends in a draw. <laughs> or a tie, sorry. Um, so MCC is kind of like the oldest uh, cricket club in, in the UK. Uh, they own a ground called Lord's Cricket Ground, which is very famous. Um, we had um, tours that you could do there. So we'd get like, so cricket's really big in India and mm -hmm. in the UK and in South Africa, Australia, but we would get sort of Indian cricket fans who'd come over to the UK on a holiday and they would arrive at Lords and cry because it was just like Nirvana to them to arrive at this mm -hmm. most famous, I don't know, I mean, if you're like, like Wrigley Field or I don't know what the kind of equivalent right. for you guys in the States is, but like arriving at this kind of like super famous stadium that you dreamed all your life of yep. playing on. And we'd have like, you know, men in their fifties kneeling down, kind of putting their face against the grass and sobbing. Um, so working at MCC was interesting. Um, I, I, I will, I, I'm, I am going to pause you. I do yeah. get when, so I've been a huge, uh, and I don't know if anybody in the UK will know what this is, but like a, a huge Cleveland, Cleveland sports fan here yep. in the United States and specifically Ohio and the Cavaliers and keep in mind, Cleveland has been like 
between the, the, the major sports over here being baseball, football, and American football and basketball, Cleveland has been historically, historically awful. And lots of fan bases over here claim to have like the, the, the hardest luck. <laughs> um, but in the three major sports, it had been like 70 or 80 years since any of them had won any championships. So the Cavs won the, the championship four years ago. And God bless my, my young son because he didn't quite understand. But I, when the, the clock ticked to zero, I fell on my knees and just started bawling like a little girl. <laughs> and my son <laughs> runs up to me because he doesn't understand. He's like, uh, what is he, two at the time? He goes, Daddy, Daddy, what's wrong? Are you okay? Did they lose? <laughs> so I, I get that. I totally yeah, get a yeah. grown man crying over <laughs> Yeah, so that that was uh, that was an interesting thing to see. But um, no, working for MCC and Lords was it was um, very small C conservative corp- uh, organization. They you know existed for literally hundreds of years. Um, so I remember going there for the job interview, and I almost had to persuade them that they needed somebody to help with their websites. They they were initially thinking about hiring somebody like part time, maybe uh, three days, four days a week, maybe like we'll see how it goes. And this is around the time I was having my first child with my wife. Um, so that was kind of a possibility for us but i wanted to try and talk it up as much as i could and you know if i could get a four day job a four day a week job and earn a bit more money that would be fine but they really didn't see the need they were like oh you know we've got a website and you know when australia come to play for the ashes and a big sort of cricket tournament then the ground's always sold out so we don't really need a website it's not really a big deal Hmm. Um, and so i kind of talked them around and you know showed them some examples of how you know big sports organizations were doing this kind of stuff and how they were missing out and they kind of gave me a shot and yeah, that, that went quite well. So uh, I just, I was looking back at this kind of stuff earlier, actually, before I was talking to you guys, um, they had an online shop um, to sell like cricket bats and these yeah. kind of stuff. And um, I managed to double the revenue for them and you know, with just with some That's basic awesome. SEO and marketing kind of stuff. I was basically the entire digital marketing team so, because they were sort of, you know, needed a bit of help um, being persuaded that this is a good idea. What um, in, in, you know, I did everything for them. Give me some perspective. What year is, is this? Oh, yeah. What year is that? I'm going to have to look on, look on my LinkedIn profile. This is, yeah, good 10, 15 years ago. <laughs> okay. Um, so this so, is, you know, late enough for them to know that the internet should be a thing. Right, um, right. You know, that's what, that's what I was... not kind of like, they had a website and, you know, there were some big things going on online at that time. You know, BBC Sport Online had been up and running for several years. So, yeah, this is, yeah, like 2007 I started there. <laughs> So the so internet this is late was, enough for them to know better. Well, so yeah, right. The internet wasn't at risk of just collapsing. No, into, this uh, wasn't this brand new thing. Pretty, pretty damn important. It still is. And it, it's funny yeah. like, that you say that because there are, it's 2020 and there are still companies that we run into that think they don't have to really pay attention to, not, not necessarily their website. I think most companies are like, yes, we have to have a website. I get sure. that. But yeah. their SEO and their, their organic, strategy and not, not just SEO, other channels too. Um, but I find it amazing that like 15 years ago when this was a little bit more of a realistic conversation, not the having a website, that was stupid, but having an SEO strategy 15 years ago was still somewhat new, but like we're still having the SEO part of this conversation in 2020 yeah. with many brands, which is crazy to me. To a degree, it's like an element of complacency. Like, you know, they were really super famous and still are. Yeah. So like, yeah. you know, when you search for Lord's Cricket Ground, guess who ranked number one? It was them. Yep. When you search for things yeah. to do at the weekend, not so much. 
Um, so there's that kind of stuff showing them the value of that kind of thing as well. Um, and there was all sorts of fun, uh, fun and games there with sort of keyword things because, uh, so the Ashes is a really big cricket tournament. So England and Australia play play sort of once every two years or so for this big big uh, competition. It's a two team tournament. It's always just England Australia. We play in Australia. Then the two years later they play in England. It's a really big deal. Very big rivalry. Um, and there's a lot of history about like why it's called the Ashes. But then optimizing for those keywords was interesting because you know it's like oh we're going to ppc for the word ashes and then you get all sorts of people looking for crematoriums and not that kind of stuff and then yeah we found all kinds of uh, click traffic for you know cricket and there were lots of people in places that were looking for crickets to feed to their pet snake or their pet iguana not that kind of cricket so just all that kind of stuff that was what you know i was still kind of learning a lot about seo and keywords and you know overlaps of different things and the searcher intent was just a whole new concept at that kind of time for me so that was still like, you know, me learning a lot about that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah here in the States, I, I was lucky, uh, a company I worked for about 10, 15 years ago. Um, in in most of the major sports leagues here, so the NFL for the National Football League, MLB for baseball, um, NASCAR, a lot of these like sporting leagues didn't run their own websites or they would run their website, but their stores they never ran. So the company that I worked for, that guy – was brilliant, made millions of dollars, sold off to eBay, but he had, and is now fanatics.com, but we used to actually run all the stores for the major sports brands around here, and he had a factory that he also printed all the jerseys, like stitched them, did all that stuff, so anytime you ordered a jersey, it came from our location, and hmm. like all the NFL or uh, major sports leagues came from us, so I got to optimize and, and do some SEO for all the major sports leagues here, so it, it was it was a fun time uh, in, in that realm because as a sports person also, it's like, great. Like I'm optimizing now for all these top terms. I'm competing against a lot of the big um, sporting goods stores out there. Um, but it was even interesting, like sporting goods stores themselves weren't running their websites because they ran stores and they were just like, you know, they actually would farm out that work to someone else. And uh, my company did a lot of that too. So um Cricket was one of those where we had a huge Indian population uh, as developers and every, you know, Tuesday and Thursday in the parking lot when work was off, there was a cricket match going out there and I would go out and watch. Still don't understand it fully, (laughs) but it was like the passion behind it. I I definitely, you know, saw that and and it was great. I always was trying to learn so I could actually go play, but at the same time, like it it was, I think they were way too more advanced (laughs) than I would ever be, so. Isn't it uh, awesome when you can optimize and work on a project where you're really, really passionate about it? I, I know like as SEOs, especially on the agency side, you don't get to pick your, cl- pick your clients. You kind of mm-hmm. just get assigned to them and some of them are a little more interesting than others. But I... Um, yeah, I mean, that makes a really big difference. I mean, when, you know, I now work as an SEO consultant and one of the things I have to do first with a lot of clients is work out who the heck they are, what their niche is, what they're in, like, you know, bone up on things, like, you know, read about their their topics, read about their particular industry, read about their competitors and things. Whereas, yeah, with cricket as a sports fan, I knew that stuff inside out. I knew what cricket fans were looking for. I knew what my friends searched for when they were looking for tickets, when they were looking for bats to buy, when they're looking for, you know, books to read or, you know, taped videos as though, you know, DVDs back in those kind of days to buy all that kind of stuff. I knew that it's like, you know, it just kind of flowed off your fingers into the keyboard kind of thing. There wasn't that huge amount of research they needed to be doing. 
So yeah, it was a big time saver, that kind of stuff. It was, and it was fun. So Andrew, um, what made you start your own company? What made you start Optimizee? Or is there something in between the cricket and you starting Optimizee that, that I'm missing? Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a couple of jobs I did in between, but yeah, I, I won't bore your listeners with my entire CV. Um, <laughs> but it's like, uh, I, I've always had an itch to kind of write, uh, run my own business and work for myself. I think a lot of people have that kind of itch and that urge. Um, and I was starting to get to that point in my career where you start getting promoted away from doing the stuff and more into the kind of management of people doing the stuff. Uh, because it's the, you, know, you kind of, oh, you, you know, these things and you've got enough of a background in these kind of areas. So you can manage these five, 10, 15 people that are doing what you used to do five years ago and help them get to where you are now. And that was great, but it was, it was kind of frustrating. Um, so that's, that was, that kind of provoked the itch a little bit. Um, and yeah, I, I started running SEO, uh, events, uh, here in the UK. So I run like a free event just in the city where I live in Cambridge and just trying to help people find good knowledge because I, ha- I know people that run their own businesses and they kind of talk to oh you're, you're the SEO guy like you know what how do I get to page one of Google all this kind of you know the obvious questions that people ask you and you kind of try and give them some advice and they you know tell you about all these emails they'd had from the snake oil merchants that we're all aware of and they're like oh well this guy says he can get me to number one for five dollars and you know maybe I should just go with and you know you talk to them about that kind of stuff and I was like, right, there's got to be a better way to do this. I need to get good information to more people more quickly. Let's, you know, I'll do an event. And I knew some people in the industry who would, you know, generously give their time to come and talk and, you know, help people understand what good SEO is. And one of the kind of nice upshots for me from that was that a lot of people were then coming to me afterwards saying, all right, this, that's already interesting. Can you help me SEO my website? And I was like, no, I've got a day job. I can't, I can't do that. Um, <laughs> But then enough people asked and enough people were kind of coming to me with interesting opportunities that I started to do some of it kind of like, you know, side hustle, as you guys call it over there, like kind of weekends and evenings, building that up. And it was actually, you know, I, I could make a go of this. I could actually get paid just to do this full time and nothing else. And that was really appealing. That's great. So you started the event before you founded uh, Optimize. Yeah, yeah. So lots of people have said to me, oh, when you started running the events, like, you know, was it always your kind of secret master plan to spin off your consultancy off the back of it? Cause that was genius. And so like, yeah, <laughs> like looking back, I, I want to say, yeah, that was absolutely my plan. It wasn't complete fluke at all. Cause that makes me look like I was way more organized and planned about this, but <laughs> it was total fluke. So I just wanted to run the SEO. Like, so I there's a big uh, SEO conference here in the UK called Brighton SEO. And I'm like a devotee. Yeah. I mean, you guys, it's a small thing. It's not a big deal. Um, and I was a devotee for that. I just go to that as often as I can manage. And, you know, the, the one thing I thought about that was like, you know, it's, it's just not often enough. It's like it's twice a year. I want it all the time. And those are my people. And this is the kind of thing that buzz in the atmosphere. And I was like, I want this more often. And wouldn't it be great if it was down the road from me? And I thought like, you know, if, if, like, if I want this to happen, maybe I should make it happen rather than just wait for someone else to do it. Yeah. Um, so we have to ask, so we've had a couple of people on um, and there are uh, a couple of guests coming that have organized their, their own conference. So Ian Howells, uh, Nick Eubanks, both with Traffic, Traffic Think Tank and have been putting on Traffic Think Tank live uh, for a couple of years. You guys had a bit of an all-star cast and then you get people like me as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's, not, that's not the way we think about it. Uh, <laughs> is it, the, the, the way that we book guests. Um, it, well, well I, honestly, at the beginning, there, I just compiled a massive list of SEOs. And then as it's been happening, 
it's been just or very organic, like, hey, I bumped into this person or I bumped into that person, this person referred this person, so on and so on and so forth. Um, and my plan is to eventually get to um, get to everybody. But the, the question that I was going to ask is, what's it like to, in your perspective, to put on an event? Exciting, um, challenging, exhausting, um, unforgiving at times. Like, you know, everything, like, so my event is nowhere near the scale of Brighton SEO. I mean, Brighton, they get like sort of three, 4,000 people coming from all over the world. Um, the biggest attendance I've had at optimizing events is like sort of 90. So we, you know, we kind of push towards a hundred. That would be great. Um, but it's, so it's all on me, like, you know, everything from the, you know, the AV to, uh, you know, seating arrangements to pizza arriving on time to speakers showing up on time, cabs for this, all that kind of stuff. It's all on me. So that kind of pressure is, is exciting, but it, you know, it's, it's, uh, terrifying at the same time, but I enjoy it. Well, and that's still like, I feel like for, for a, 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 an event or a meetup that's that's a fairly big audience that's a lot of people to pack into yeah um, into a room and that's a lot of responsibility and I guess my question to you would be like if you were giving advice to any of our listeners who might be thinking about starting uh, I'll just take me if I'm thinking about starting the Columbus SEO mm-hmm. meetup what advice would you give me I would say get the right people involved early so if you know the right like potential speakers or whether it's like you and like, you know, Hey, I've got my buddy Jeff and I'm going to get him to come and talk. Like, you know, having those kind of people, that kind of network to help you spread the word really helps. So I was very lucky. So like the second ever event that um, I ran Craig Campbell, who's, you know, kind, kind of a big deal in SEO. Um, he came down from Glasgow, which is like the next country from England. Um, and, came and gave his time to come and deliver an amazing talk. It was the extremely controversial about like black hat techniques and like, you know, what are these kind of things that these nefarious people do? Um, And he was really entertaining and just really generous with his time. But like having that network and having a name like Craig come really helped. And that kind of put me on the map a little bit. And then more people go, okay, well maybe this, you know, this event isn't just kind of like, you know, some nerd in his front room chatting to his (laughs) friends, which, you know, in my head, it probably was going to be, it was like slightly embarrassing the first event when I was like, Oh, you know, what if nobody shows up? It's just going to be me talking to about SEO on my own again, yeah. same as it is most evenings. Uh, <laughs> my wife would tell you all about that. Um, but yeah, that, that kind of stuff really helps. And then, you know, getting the support locally really helps. So there's a, a recruitment company locally that, you know, they know that networking events are, um, you know, a big thing that people go to when they're kind of looking to change jobs, they're looking to upskill, they're looking to connect with the right people. So hooking up with a recruitment firm who then, you know, sponsor the event to mean that it doesn't then make a loss. That means that, you know, I'm not just, you know, paying money to get people to come and eat my own pizza and learn about stuff and then leave. How do you, um, how do you go about doing things like finding the venue? yeah so again that was came down to like networking so being connected to people in the city and uh talking to you know people at co-working spaces to find out you know because networking for me was still quite new like you know it's one of those people that the idea of networking kind of brings you out in a bit of a cold sweat you think it's going to be a bit icky and you're just going to get carpet bombed by people trying to sell you stuff um so but you know it was talking to people that go to these kind of events like you know to find out these places that do have an auditorium or did you know that this you know this place has got a room around the back that has got really cool av set up and like they're happy to let you have it or like you know they'll 
give you a small small price for it that kind of stuff so again that you know i've had two or three different venues that i've tried out um and again it's yeah it, that's the unforgiving part because there's never the right venue there's never the right food the, you know the the biggest complaint i get for this the free event that i run you know we get these amazing speakers in the biggest complaint is about the food all the time like you know not enough food too much food not ve- vegan options no gluten-free options you know i didn't like the flavor oh, yeah. all that uh, it's crazy but so I used to run a, a homebrew group. So I, I brewed beer at home for a long time and I had a couple friends who, who did. And we decided, hey, let's start a little meetup where we can meet other people in our area that would, that would do it. And little did we know that like our first meeting, we had like 35 people show up. And finding the venue was kind of interesting because we just, we were always went to this, our local pub. And we just asked, you know, we were kind of friends with the owners just from going there, asked him if like, he had this little room in the back. Can we just use that for a meeting? He really liked the idea. Like it was bringing somebody in on a Tuesday night when it was a slow night, things like that. Uh, We grew pretty big, but one day he just came to us and said, you know, I have a whole upstairs room that is just full of junk right now. If you guys help us clean it up you can have all the meetings up there. And it was like three times the size of the space there. Um, and we just lucked out on that. And, and it was kind of funny with the food, as you were saying that, because he loved having everyone there, that he would cater it for us. Um, and it was always just like finger foods from a, from a pub. So nothing major. Um, there was a bunch of like home brewers that brewed beer. So we didn't worry about gluten too much back then. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but yeah, sometimes just finding like the right spot is just, it just, happens sometimes to, to, like that's how we kind of looked into that to, to be able to do that but um, running that meetup was interesting because we ended up getting like 300 members on our site wow. that were like and it would come we could hold about 75 people in there and, and it was packed standing room only most of the times um, and finding the speakers I mean again it wasn't SEO it was about beer but that was the to me the fun part was just reaching out to, to all the brewers out there and they so many people were just so willing to come and, and talk because they like, they love their job and exciting, like found it exciting. And the one thing I noticed that's kind of parallel by doing this podcast, we reach out to awesome SEOs and so many of them are just like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> and it's because yeah. they love to talk about SEO and uh, so do we. Yeah. yeah. So it's surprising. You figured someone like some of the bigger names that are out there would maybe they're bigger names because they always say yes. I don't know, but, so, <laughs> yeah, uh, but we're, me and Jacob are always like, wow, they said yes. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. I, totally get, I get exactly that. Like people say, oh my God, how did you get so-and-so, so-and-so to come and speak? Like, so the last event we had Alia Solis come over and like people were like, wow, like how did you convince her? And I was like, I didn't, I just asked her and she said, yes. Yeah. There wasn't any like, you know, persuasion or like arm twisting or like, you know, I'll give you this or like, you know, let me pay your $50 million speaker fee. It was like, would you yeah. come and speak at my event? And she was like, yeah, sure. Sick. When would you like great. It's amazing. Speaking, speaking of that particular person, I don't want to like drop hints about. (laughs) Yes. Uh, uh, What we were talking about, uh, just, just asking, having the courage to ask, um, especially in in our industry, um, surprisingly uh, for as many different personalities as there, there are, no matter what you think about certain personalities, um, people will take the time uh, no matter how big or small, to talk and you just have to have the courage to ask. Um, and we've been finding that out. 
I think um, it's a lot about like giving stuff back as well. So right, as of easy course. as it sounds like, you know, the kind of stuff, Jeff, you were saying about finding venues and things. It's like, you know, what, what do I have to offer? So the venue I have at the moment, the Bradfield Centre in Cambridge, they've got a really like lovely co-working space. It's super cool, super edgy, like it's tech companies only generally. But for them, you know, they're, they're making money by hiring desk space. So yeah. if I'm saying, look, I'm going to bring 50, 60 upwards people a couple of times um, or every other month I have the events. And there's a large percentage of those people that are small, medium companies that are looking to upscale, looking to maybe hire a desk space somewhere. So for them to come and see that venue, that's a good proposition for the venue. So they're like, yeah, sure, we'll give it to you at a favorable rate because that's nice. And, you know, all those people that are kind of coming to give up their time, um, it's it's giving that stuff back. You know, there's we talked about the kind of snake oil merchants that you get that kind of spam you on email and kind yeah. of stuff. Like, you know, SEO is hard. Like, there's a lot of stuff and there's a lot of moving parts and it changes all the time. So just helping small companies do stuff better is yep. nice. It's like, you know, it's really rewarding. So there's like people that have come to the events that have said, oh, like I, you know, picked up X, Y, and Z from that talk and I did A, B, and C to my website and my traffic went through the roof overnight. Thank you so much. This is amazing. It's like, that that's nice. That makes me feel really good. Uh, it, it is awesome. And, and um, here in the States, we, we have a Raleigh SEO group up in Raleigh, North Carolina, and mm. that's Patrick Stocks and J.R. Oaks. And uh, they just work so well as a community and lift each other up that mm-hmm. um, I, I think if we talk about like SEOs in the United States, half of them are from Raleigh and, and it's just, insane. Yeah. Like how many there are something in the water, but people like yeah. Patrick. So when I was setting out and like, people like Patrick gave up his time. I said, look, you know, I'm setting up this new thing in Cambridge. You've been doing Raleigh SEO for ages. Can I pick your brain for five minutes? And he was like, yeah, sure. I'll, we'll yeah, jump sure. on a Skype call. Here's some ideas. Here's what I, so I guess yeah, the answer to your question, Jacob, about, you know, you're going to set up a higher SEO that the first thing I'd say is like, you know, talk to people like me, I've done it. And like, you know, don't make the mistakes I did. And here's what I learned. And yeah, I can connect you to Patrick and he's really nice and you can pick his brain too. And there's loads of people like, you know, Mark Scully who runs um, Learn Inbound in Dublin. He was really generous with his time. They're like, wrote me this huge email about here's all the mistakes I made. Don't make this mistake. Here's all the things that I did really well. See if you can do these too. All that kind of stuff. People are just so nice and so generous with their time. It's amazing. It's that kind of stuff. that email on us. (laughs) <laughs> yeah you, seo gets a bad rap and you know kind of seo twitter and all the trolls and all that kind of stuff but there are some really great people in seo as well and they're really generous and you know cannot do enough to help you that's really great so before we move on to the news i've got kind of two final things andrew that i wanted to to quickly chat about um mm-hmm. one uh, one of the reasons that we're having uh this interview and recording in january is because you've made a transition in your um, in your career, so is there anything you want to share about that? Is it still too early? Like, is there anything <laughs> you want to talk about there? So I am three weeks into being a freelance SEO consultant, um, full time, doing nothing else, uh, which is equal parts terrifying and exciting. So yes, please visit optimizey.com and book me and give me all your money. Um, but uh, rampant plugs aside, then. Um, yeah, it's, it's been an exciting challenge. I mean, I'd say I'm still three weeks in, so it's all shiny and new. And, you know, I bought myself crisp new stationery and it's, you know, very exciting having my uh, lovely new desk uh, chair that I've bought here, which uh, you, your listeners won't be able to see, but that was very <laughs> exciting for me to be able to like, you know, buy my first office chair to have at home. And stuff. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's, it's been an interesting transition, but um, it's going well so far. And, and then you also, for those people that don't know, or maybe haven't 
seen it or noticed it, you've been uh, running a, a pretty interesting video series uh, mm -hmm. as well. Um, is I guess, is there anything you, you would want to speak to there in terms of like what made you start it? And for other people considering video as an option to get their message out there, what advice would you give? Uh, so the videos that I'm putting up are just the talks from the SEO events that I run. Um, so again, I've been really lucky to hook up with a local company who, you know, produce videos. So they're quite, quite happy to put their wares out there and promote themselves through doing that again to a you know decent audience that might be interested in that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, we, we, the first event of the year, actually we did um, with a leader. Um, we had them come along and talk about how to make great video. And then a leader taught everybody how to rank great video because, you know, we've all done that where you make something beautiful and great and you launch this landing page and, oh, my God, it's the most beautiful thing you've seen since your first firstborn and it falls flat and there's no traffic and it dies. Um, and so, yeah, having somebody like a leader go you through all the stuff about how to actually rank great video. Um, so, yeah, there is an Optimizer YouTube channel um, if you want to go and check that out. But it's, it's just filled with, you know, amazing people sharing amazing things and it's all for free. And do you think, so you were lucky enough to hook up with um, a, a video shop um, and, and you can definitely see the, the, the quality of the videos, um, the videos coming, coming through. Um, for any folks without a professional studio or maybe not the connections to a video shop, is there anything you've kind of like picked up along the way as you've started kind of doing that for those folks that, are, that don't have those options available? Yeah, so so Mark from um, Breadcrumb, who uh, do the videos for Optimizee, he he did the talk about exactly that. You know, look, it's lovely if you have limitless budget and you can hire uh, you know, video experts to come in and shoot all this stuff for you, but you can create great video on your phone. It can be done. Um, there's just things that you need to consider. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to completely rip off his talk, but there's just, you know, things about thinking about your framing, thinking about where you are in the location. Is it going to be noisy? Um, I can see like, you know, while, even just while we're on this call, like, you know, pros like Jeff are muting his mic when he's not on the mic because it just clutters the background noise. It's that kind of, those kind of details, like having a, um, I don't think, again, your listeners won't be able to see it, but I'm sat on the webcam here right next to a big open window. So I look kind of like the Phantom of the Opera. I've got kind of half and half, like, you know, really shiny face and really dark face on the other side. Um, but it's, it's that kind of stuff that will make the difference between your video looking really amateur and your video looking kind of shiny and you know, at least fairly slick. Um, so yeah, just, you know, investing in some fairly cheap bits of kit can make a big difference. So like a tripod to keep your camera steady. So it's not just in your hand, unless you want that kind of rugged sort of, you know, uh, like all these kind of hustle entrepreneurs do where they're kind of walking down the street on, you know, it's 3am and they're already on their fifth meeting and their 19th coffee, that kind of stuff. Um, <laughs> Yeah, you know, when if you'd want something that's going to just be a piece to camera, if you, you know, explaining something cool that you do, get a tripod. It makes a huge difference. Then you don't have to touch the camera. You don't have to handle yeah. the camera. Um, it's nice and steady. People can see you in the shot. Um, and yeah, audio. Like people get so lost with video, thinking about oh, the video and how look how great it's going to look and what books they've got on the background shelf to make them look really super intelligent and entrepreneurial. If they can't hear you, there's no point. Unless you're like you know Marcel Marceau and you're going to do it all through mime. If they can't hear you on the video, then the video can look as good as you like. It's you know, the audio is crucial. Yeah, I actually have one of those steady cams that I can put my phone in, mm. and uh, that that will actually follow me. So it can go into a tripod, and like if I pace back and forth, 
it, nice. it, the tripod will actually follow me. But if I'm holding it in my hand and walking, it keeps it. It's like a steady cam, so it's got it's got a gimbal on it. And um, I've never used it for anything yet, <laughs> but I bought it because I had a store credit at some store, and I was like, I always wanted one of these. I do want to do more video and I figured this would be a good way into it. By the time I figure it out, there'll probably be better technology out there, but um, for a hundred dollars, those things are amazing. They, yeah. they have a whole bunch of like the apps in it. Uh, I think DJI who makes a lot of drones also has one for like 110 bucks, uh, you know, in the U S so probably like 90 euros or something like that. And um, it has the technology to follow you or follow your subject. If you're trying to do some B roll or something and hang out your window of your car or, depending what you're trying to do video of, they're, they're really great tools that are, um, that help keep that steadiness and, and things like that. Yeah, exactly. I think that kind of stuff, like a few hundred dollars invested early in kit can make a huge difference. Agreed. So let's move on to the news. Jeff, what's, uh, what's in the news? Sweet. So there was a big announcement. I think it was yesterday, but Danny Sullivan posted up on Twitter that if a web page listing is elevated into feature snippets, they are uh, Google is going to no, no longer have that other listing repeated below. Um, currently, or or before this announcement, um, if you had the feature snippet or position zero, you could also be position one, two, three, or four um, in, in the listings, which was kind of a repetitive move, but. Uh, Position zero was always different than the 10 listings. Um, so now if you are up there, they, they talked about decluttering, um, which is kind of funny because the other part of the news is that Google has kind of cluttered <laughs> um, the listings with a whole bunch of favicons everywhere. And uh, it was always on mobile. Well, not always, but they started off on mobile. Now it's on desktop, which kind of clutters that up. But the position zero thing I think is pretty big, um, especially if you're trying to, you know, rank for things and, and, you know, knowing that your, if your ranking tools can track that um, and if there's click through, right. Because position zero, a lot of times is giving the answer away. Um, but I didn't know what you thought about that, Jake. I have a lot of thoughts. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I have a lot of thoughts as with everything. Um, it's, it's interesting. So we just in the last episode talked about Google's broad core algorithm update and, SEOs getting in a, in a tizzy and clients getting in a tizzy about that and going, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, when in reality, it didn't really change the strategy very much. Like the day before the update, you still had the same problems as the day after the update. And a lot of times they were way more basic than what was going on with the algorithm. And for the most part, at least what we've seen, I know in the industry, it's a little bit more volatile, not that many significant changes in ranking and still the same issues that you needed to work on with your site anyways. Um, with this, I think it's a little bit different. Um, one, um, I do think it's going to lead to um, a lot of volatility, um, maybe unintentionally, maybe intentionally. Um, not in the way that like a broad core algorithm update does, um, but in the sense that now that they are, they are essentially taking away a position on the first page and not by taking it. I don't mean taking it away, like having fewer listings. Um, it's a zero sum game where if somebody loses a spot, somebody moves up. Um, so there will be people that had yeah. previously owned uh, both the featured snippet and something within the, within the regular organic results that were getting a certain number of clicks that aren't getting those anymore. Conversely, 
somebody that was further down the line is now is now moving up. And, and I've had a, a little bit of conversation on Twitter with a few folks and it does make sense. It does. Like it doesn't make sense to have uh, uh, the same page be both one and two or one and three or one and four. So it does make sense in that way, shape or form. I'm surprised they didn't do it sooner. I do think from a PR perspective, Google has been just falling right on their face for about the last year with a lot of uh, a lot of things and doing this and meet at, and in positioning it in god love danny danny sullivan that guy's got a hard job just like all of the public faces um uh, around google sometimes do positioning it as a decluttering move right on the heels of introducing fabicons when the search results have probably never been messier just like it just makes me shake my head like what <laughs> Like, okay, um, whatever. Um, But I think there's going to be a lot of flux. I do think now um, the update that they made, and I can't remember how long ago it was where they introduced the the no snippet meta tag. At the time, I was like, eh, like, why would I not want, why would I, why would I want to tell Google not to put me in a snippet? Um, It didn't make any sense back then, but I, I think now that I can see the full picture, that they were doing that to eventually do this. I do think one of the interesting um, things about it that that I do think companies will have to monitor more closely if, um, if you've looked into any like click through rate studies, Tim Sulo had a really great tweet in which he referenced Ahrefs doing a click through rate study where the featured snippet gets eight point, uh, what is it? 8.6% of clicks while the first traditional organic listing got like 26. So if you had the featured snippet and the first traditional organic position, well, shit, it might make sense to have the first organic position and use that no snippet tag and get out of the featured snippet. It might make sense. Um, So I think your brands will really have to pay attention between the interplay uh, with their featured snippets and have an understanding like, hey, I was position zero and position one well, shit, now I'm just position zero. Position one is gone. Maybe I want position one and not position zero. So I do think that there's going to have to be some choices made with respect to utilizing a, a different approach or a no snippet tag or whatever. But that's my thoughts. Andrew, what do you, what do you think? Yeah, I, I agree a lot with what you just said, actually, Jake. It's, it's, it's a kind of interesting one about that, you know, the value of position zero. I mean, I think for a lot of SEOs, it's that kind of badge of honor, isn't it? It's like, you know, if you're... Uh, position zero then you've won uh, yeah. but actually the, the business value is sometimes questionable depending on what the search is depending on what the intent is and you know what's getting pulled into that snippet that kind of stuff uh, you know there's been lots of um you know hair pulling about these kind of zero click searches and google's giving the answer away in, in the serp and you know what's the value to the business of that that kind of stuff is really hard to quantify though right i mean it's got to be pretty good for your brand to be the answer when somebody says that you know what is the best x and the answer is optimizing that that's not doing you any harm. Sure. maybe you're not getting any clicks, but like being seen as the answer to something, it's got to be pretty good for your brand. Um, but yeah, that kind of the value of then being zero when actually, you know, number one is getting 20% of the clicks and that's where all the traffic's going. That's going to be a tough one. Just, just when, just when you think you're like, everything is settled, they, they, and it's funny that this one came across and and it eventually, I think made its way to search engine Roundtable, but it came across in a response to, I believe a question. So it was like a, 
I don't know what the kid, a subtweet or a, I, I don't even know exactly what that <laughs> quote tweet. Yeah. It was a response to a tweet and like, it could have been very easily missed. So like, I don't think they were trying to like sneak one in on us, but like it could have went under the radar and then people would have had to notice it out in the, in the wild. Yeah. Um, if Danny had not said anything uh, about it and it looks like it's been rolled out globally. And I was like, man, they, they almost snuck that one in on us. Those sneaky it's that kind of stuff that like you say, it makes sense. Like, you know, to everybody outside of SEO that, you know, like my mom searching on Google, it's like, you know, the, the thing that was in the feature snippet isn't position four anymore as well. <gasps> she doesn't care she won't even notice it's exactly like, you know for seos we tend to get very excited about these kind of things and i you know i don't think unreasonably because like you know if it smashes 20 percent of your clicks then yeah you're going to feel that um you know yeah. if you're being monetized on that and that's what you're charging your clients for that's that's going to make a big difference to you but yeah for like you know the google reasonable surfer they, they don't care mm-hmm. so what else is in the news jeff what else can i yell about <laughs> Well, as I kind of brought up before, too, the, the whole favicons on desktop. Can we clear um, this up? Favicons, favicons? I think favicons. Ah, I think I it's. Mean, uh, I'm not sure what's right. It's the whole GIF GIF thing all over again. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, I figured we'll call them the little icons, <laughs> <laughs> um, or make it the wrapper version, like little little icons. But uh, <laughs> they. Uh, it, it's interesting because they were on mobile and I didn't find them as distracting on mobile as I do on the desktop side of things. Um, at the same time, they've kind of moved ads into the same type of format as the natural search listings. And we are seeing is I had a first conversation with a client yesterday where I talked about optimizing their, their icon because it was like, you couldn't read it. And normally I like don't really care about that when it's in like the browser window, but now that it's in there, it just looked like a blob. And I was like, we need to actually get a designer to redesign your, your icon. So that way it looks nicer in, in the listings. Um, and I could see some clients that, so on the paid listing, it's a little black bold and it says add. If your you know, icon is something that kind of looks like that, you may be mistaken as an ad, which I, I see some sites kind of looking that way. If I, I was just looked at, typed in like 20 different keywords and was looking at people's um, favicons or favicons <laughs> and, and just looking at that and just seeing which, like which ones kind of stood out in a way it's, it's nice. Cause if you have a really like standout icon that like it could help draw people to your listing over someone else's. But at the same time, I mean, it's, it is what 16 by 16 pixels. So nothing, you know, it's really hard to get something that, that stands out so much there, but um, I don't know if Google's going to be policing that. If I, like I was thinking about putting mine saying ad <laughs> so that Did you uh, see, everyone, I think Bill Hart said, Bill Hart said tried something like that. He changed his Favicon to, to the black and white ad label. Oh, did he? That's got, awesome. Got a manual penalty. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. I think Google knocked him out of the rankings. Oh my like, God. Oh. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm not going to try that then. <laughs> Careful. Try it, Jeff. Let's see what happens. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, my five visitors to my site. Right. <laughs> a good test it's, opportunity. It's good. I think the, the issue we had, again, SEO is pulling their hair out a lot over this and getting very excited about it. I think the issue here is the perceived kind of favoring of the big brands again. It's like, you know, everybody knows Nike swoosh and everybody knows like, you know, these big companies, Amazon's logo, you can just, you know, my five-year-old could probably draw it. But like, you know, if you're unheard of, you know, jobblogger.com, 
then you know your favicon makes no difference whatsoever i mean like if me and jeff you're kind of pointing about trying to make something jump out i mean somebody is pointing out how well it works for the uh, google play store because their mm. favicon is a big arrow which seems to be like almost pointing to the result that kind of stuff that you know it's it's interesting that kind of stuff but yeah the perception of it just favoring the big boys over the you know the plucky tryhards is is an interesting one yeah my one client where i talked to them about it they they actually fit their whole like brand name, which is like 20 letters and squished it down to 16 by 16. <laughs> and, and that's where I was like, we need to make this a little yeah. nicer. That's and we realized that. that it was funny. I didn't even realize they had an app and they brought up like the app and showed like, Oh, maybe we should use this app icon. I'm like, that's perfect. Like, why are we not using that anyway? And it's, that's a whole nother team in the company that no one ever, you know, it really interfaces with. I didn't even know they existed and, and things like that. So I, I was like, great. We, uh, like big we, we have that already made. Yeah, exactly. Silos. So we, as SEOs, we've moved into uh, Amazon optimization. I think the next frontier is Favicon optimization. Yeah, you heard it here first, right? It's going to be Let, a thing. Yeah, let's start a business. I'm sure we can charge for that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so I, I feel like that's a, the. I think the only other thing, Jeff, was the the retirement of data vocabulary schema. Yeah. Yeah. Who? Yeah. <laughs> that was a general response I got from most people I know. Is like data who now? You know, and, and it's funny. I've gotten a couple of warnings in Search Console about it. And I think it was a lot of it was theme-based. Like if you used a WordPress theme, mm-hmm. someone might have had that inside of there. Um, I, I've never personally recommended or used it. Um, but it is good that Google is starting to come get rid of some of these others, you know, there used to be micro formats and there used to be, you know, all these different formats that Google was like, Oh, we'll still support. We're not going to add to them, but we're going to support them. So it's great that they're, I, I don't know if it's great for the people who made data vocabulary and things like that, but I think it's, it's great for um, SEOs and web developers that we kind of have one standard that we're trying to write for because um, it was pretty confusing if you were going through that, but I kind of had the same, um, thought is you. I'm like, oh, I've never used data vocabulary. It doesn't bother me until I got a couple warnings inside of Search Console now telling me that some of my clients were using it. And it, I looked, it was just the theme they were using for their blog or something like that that had it in there. But So so let's move on from the news. Uh, I think we've covered yeah. all of the major stuff, right? There's some minor stuff like Google being evil, which maybe we can cover in our, in our <laughs> episode and people leaving the company in droves. But Wanted to get into um, SEO fundamentals and basics that you guys often see that are overlooked, whether it be overlooked by SEOs or overlooked by clients. So, go. So, I've been doing kind of side hustle stuff for, for a while now, and it's not mostly with small businesses and local to me. Um, and some of these people, like, they don't know really what SEO is, whether they need it. They kind of heard a little bit about it and like, you know, their traffic's gone down a little bit and they noticed it. And so that's when they start looking around to try and find the stuff about SEO. Um, and one of the questions that I've kind of learned to ask early on um, is how are you going to know if I do a great job with this? And that often trips up more people than you think it should. So they're going to hire me and pay me, you know, to get them more traffic And then I say, great, you know, so what's your traffic at the moment? And they go, I don't know. How would I know that? And like, well, have you got Google Analytics set up? And they're like, what's Google Analytics? And that's like, you know, a bit of an, oh my God, for us, it's really like, you know, that's kind of, 
you do it in your sleep. When you set up a website, you put some kind of analytics on there, right? right. But a lot of these people have, you know, they've kind of followed one of these templates, Squarespace or WordPress, and they've just done it out of the box. And WordPress has some, you know, WordPress analytics in it, tells you how many visitors you had and that kind of stuff. But they don't even know what Google Analytics is. And some of them maybe did set it up, but they literally did it out of the box and they haven't added to it at all. So then you kind of go, oh, great, you've got some analytics. That's really cool. Um, you know, how many, how many separate views have you got in analytics? And they're like, what's a view? I don't, I don't know what you mean. And it's like, well, you know, maybe you want to have a different view with some filters on. What are filters? I don't know what filters are. So like, well, where does most of your traffic come from? Oh, it comes from Cambridge. Where are you based? I'm in Cambridge. Does most of your traffic come between the hours of nine and five when you're in the office looking at your own website? Oh, yes, it does. You're not filtering yourself out from your own traffic. So yeah. you know, how many of your staff are looking at your website on a daily basis? Oh, we've got about 15 people in the office. And you look at their kind of traffic and it's like, oh, 15 people between nine and five and they're all in Cambridge. And funnily enough, none of them buy anything. Isn't this weird? How many members of staff buy from their own shop? They don't. So it's that kind of stuff where it's like, you know, just out of the box, even before I start looking at SEO, that it's like, look, okay, the first thing I'm probably going to do is make your traffic go down because I'm going to set up a bunch of filters and analytics to screen you out, screen out the agency that you're using, screen out your mom at home because she, you know, reads all your blog posts religiously, religiously or whatever that kind of stuff. And your traffic is going to go down. Your conversion rate is going to go through the roof because none of those people are buying your stuff. Uh, so that those are the kind of like, you know, big fundamentals that I see even before I start that it's like, you know, look, I'm not going to SEO your website until you've got this in place because, you know, I, I don't want to do a job for you. And then at the end of it, have to say, you know, have you ask whether it went well or not. I want you to be able to tell that it went well without me, you know, because of course at the end of it, I'm going to go, I did an amazing job. I'm the world's best SEO. I'm terrific. You should definitely pay me double. Of course I'm going to say that. I want them to be able to look at their own traffic and go, Oh my God, you're amazing. Like the traffic has doubled, you know, conversion rates through the roof. We've, you know, revenue has gone skyrocketing. This is all amazing. And so many businesses that I work with don't even have the fundamentals in place to measure that. So getting that kind of stuff set up early on, even before I start, so that you can at least benchmark where they are before you start trying to do things to help them get more traffic is a really big one. I see more often than I thought I would, to be honest. Yeah. I actually had that conversation last night with uh, a friend. I, I, we have like a Wednesday night, um, we play cornhole and one of our friends had a, he has a little side business where he you know, makes a product and sells it online. And he wanted some of my help to, to make it better. And I asked him if he had Google analytics installed. He's like, I don't know. And I'm like, all right, well, you don't even know how well you're doing. He just looks at everything, like how many people are buying stuff from his website. Yeah. He gets that report. How many orders is it going to fulfill? Exactly. So that, that was um, an inch, very eye-opening and very basic that I'm just going to help him out. Like, let's just get analytics on there and see how your site's running. Like, you might yeah. be killing it. Who knows? <laughs> I think so. that kind of stuff is like, you know, then just the kind of set it and forget it kind of thing that people go, oh, they maybe heard about analytics. So they set it up once, but they literally just do the out of the box. They put the UA code in, that's it. And, you know, then you ask them like, you know, what's, what's a conversion on your website? You know, if I get you 300 more, 3000 more, 30,000 more visitors a day, week, month, whatever it is for their particular industry, what do you want them to do when they get there? You know, and a lot of them, they don't have e-commerce. It's not that kind of straightforward give me money they, you know, they've got a mailing list or they've got white papers they want you to download or they want you to call one of their sales reps or whatever it is i'm like okay are you tracking that and they're like oh you, you can track that on the website i'm like yeah okay you can track that we can track call clicks for you we can track conversions for you we can track downloads and they're like oh i didn't know you could do that great let's get that set up and so it's just little things like that where it's like you know again for natives that work in digital this is just kind of 101 stuff 
but for a lot of business owners they they don't know that and there's no reason they should um but yeah it's it, that's a tricky one for me because it's like, look i can do this stuff for you but this isn't seo this isn't going to fundamentally affect your business and bring you more traffic but i don't want to get you more traffic unless you can know that it's working and like you know yeah. then be able to explain to them that look, if you have goals set up then not only can you tell if i'm doing a good job you can tell if your social media person is doing a good job you can tell if your email is working you can tell if you know all your referral marketing is working all that kind of stuff you can start to see which ones are you know driving business and maybe it's not seo maybe your email is you know knocking it out of the park but you don't even know yeah that sounds just like being an ethical person and i thought all snake or all seos were snake oil salesmen <laughs> yeah of course so you know if, if they haven't got analytics set up the first thing i do is say yeah you don't need that and you know just give me the keys exactly. i'll set it up for you right. and uh, i'll tell you what a great job i'm doing yes and then you can pay me double when we <laughs> there we go so yeah. jeff what, what about you what are what are um some of the things that you guys or that you feel like are overlooked basic it's funny uh so if you read about SEO today, it's all about Python and machine learning and, and things like that. But even just basics of like how many broken pages does your site have uh, and, and things like that. Like if you can run Screaming Frog through and sometimes I have websites that I just can't even get through because there's some sort of blocking errors in there. And even the basics of like a robot's text file, <laughs> um, you know, a lot of developers don't even know about that, right? Because they're not developers are developing for, you know, functionality and don't even know, you know, they don't understand SEO as much. And to me, like a, a robust text file is something that could totally destroy all your traffic. I mean, I think as SEOs, we all have that story of somebody who, you know, launched a, a WordPress site, but they had the checkbox of like, don't let search engines come. And now their robust text file is blocking every page or has a no index tag on every page. Um, basics like that, or even, title tags. Like I, I still run into clients all the time that have the same title tag on like half of their website uh, or same meta description in there because it was part of the template and um, they don't understand that like they can update that part of it. So um, yeah, and bigger clients, right? Like they're making $10 million a year online and, and I don't know how they're doing that because they're all their pages say the same thing on it. So do they all um, say homepage? No, the homepage will say homepage. All the other ones will say they're just a brand name. <laughs> um, I actually just had this conversation yesterday too with the client with the the Favicon um, because they there's like some new people in, involved. So they were like, "Why does why does this page have a title tag of this?" And I'm like, "Good question," because we've given your company like optimizations all throughout the year, and uh, their developers just couldn't get the title tag put in like their system isn't as easy or something. Um, and those were kind of like, those are like the basics of the basics, right? It's uh, which sometimes people overlook because you're getting way more advanced into, oh, they have a JavaScript framework running like half of their website, but they can't update the title tag to it because they went way too advanced without actually thinking about the basics. So, yeah, I, um, I definitely have had the the robots.txt and, and some no index uh, stuff happen to to my clients uh, before. And um, before I left uh, another agency, it was uh, I was literally in my last week, so they were about a week away from me not being there and having nobody to monitor the situation. They accidentally um, added a no index tag to all of their. 
really, really, really important organic pages. And it was, it was a developer who, God bless developers, he, they just didn't know any better. And they put the tag on because they thought they had to. And um, so, yeah, so those pages got no indexed. And luckily, I made a habit of crawling the, the website and had that tag stayed there. Um, these pages represented many millions of dollars of revenue for them every day. Um, and had that tag stayed there, it would have cost them many millions of dollars. And luckily we caught it within a couple of hours and got it fixed immediately. So saved them millions of dollars. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it's setting crazy. up tools, right? Like setting up tools that monitor stuff like that is part of the basics. Like um, yeah. we, we use a couple tools here at search discovery, but there are a lot of cheap, easy, even like uptime robot tools right. it's a free you can run checks on your site um there, there's a couple i think uh merge has one that just checks my robots all the time for me and just tells me if it changes um and, and then i can go through and see what the change is so i think just having there's a lot of free tools that you yeah. can set up and and they're very basic just to look for those disastrous type of things and they make you look really good though right so i mean i have uh, we use little warden um is mm-hmm. a similar kind of thing so Mm-hmm. Um, there was a client of mine that I hadn't worked with for years. I did some stuff from them ages ago, but I still had search console access for them. And so little warden was monitoring their website and their site went down and they didn't notice. And I noticed before them and I sent them an email just going, Hey, just, you know, no, no charge, no, you know, just freebie. But did you know your site's down just in case? And they didn't. And they were like, Oh my God, this is amazing. Thank you so much. You just saved my life. And that, that's just, you know, one email from you know yeah. little warden just pinging your thing saying this state has changed from 200 to 503 okay that's that's not good yeah. <laughs> no, not good at all it's surprising how many um how often that happens actually it's um it's it's crazy we have um we've had a, a client with a site that goes down a couple times a day uh and we've got and we've actually got our notification system hooked up to slack so that it comes across our Slack, which we use to communicate with internally. And then we see that, go ping the client. Oh, okay. Yep. They turn the site back on. Yeah. <laughs> insane. Uh, insane. Um, so, so Andrew, um, I want to wrap up the episode. Um, one of the things we end the episode with um, every episode is the, this question. Um, if you were giving advice to somebody who is getting into the industry today, literally this second, what advice would you give them? Ask lots of questions, break things. Um, the, there's a lot of fear, I think, out there, particularly like, you know, with the kind of SEO Twitter of like, you know, everybody jumps up and down on everybody else's mistakes. But that's that every time I've made a mistake is when I learn the most. Um, and get a sandbox, like find a website. So I, I run a couple of little affiliate websites. They just about cover their own bills in terms of like server costs and things and host, host names and stuff. But it's more just for kicks and giggles, really. Um, and if I break it, it's all on me. There's no clients kind of breathing down my neck. If traffic doubles, if traffic halves, you know, if all my affiliates drop off a cliff, it's all on me. But it's, that's the stuff where I learn things. You know, and there's, there's ideas I have and I try stuff out and some of them are really bad and some of them are really great. But it's that kind of stuff where, you know, if you've got a sound, like, you know, if you're just starting out in SEO, find a thing that you know a lot about. If it's baseball or soccer or baking or crochet or whatever the heck it is and try and rank it. Just set yourself up a free website on WordPress or Squarespace or whatever the heck else it is you want to do. 
get yourself a cheap domain, throw a site up there, try and rank it. That's, that's how you learn stuff. You know, break it, try and break it on purpose and then try and fix it. That's, that's you know, where all the times I've done that kind of stuff is when I've learned the most. And I think it's good advice for, it, it's funny, I feel that, that I'm working with a lot of clients. I actually want to go back to building some of these sites again, just to, you know, try out all the new things because there's things that I don't want to try on clients right now. <laughs> so, um, and, and it, sometimes it's great when it's your own site because you can just put itself out there and, and, you know, you actually can get the implementation done and things like that. So um, yeah. I think new or old in the industry have a site that you can try to, to rank things on. That's great. Absolutely. Definitely, definitely great, great advice. Um, Andrew, where can people find you? Uh, so I'm, I spend far too much time on Twitter. Um, so I'm on there as at Optimizee. Um, Optimizee.com is the website. Optimizee is the YouTube channel. Optimizee is, in, I'm optimizing on Instagram, not so much unless you want pictures of my new puppy. Um, <laughs> I don't put a lot of SEO stuff on there, but my wife decided that uh, three weeks into launching a new business, what we really needed was a puppy. Um, so we've got a puppy. So if you're interested in dogs, not <laughs> SEO, then look me up on Instagram. But otherwise, yeah, probably on Twitter is the best place to find me. And it's optimize with an S, not a Optimize with an S, yes, of course, for your uh, American listeners. Yeah, none of this yeah. Zed nonsense. <laughs> so so if you're um, if you're looking for a good um, good SEO consultant, um, Andrew, do you do you consult for folks uh, in the US or is it just mostly UK based? Yes, I do. I consult for people wherever they are. So I was speaking to one client in Vietnam and I'm currently elbows deep in an audit for a um, a client who's uh, based in Washington actually. Awesome. So yes, if you are a person, a business, whatever, listening to this and you want to go find a great SEO consultant, uh, hit up Andrew. Uh, I think he can help you out. So Andrew, thank you for, um, thank you for joining us. We really appreciate your time. And as always, it was a great, uh, great conversation. Thanks for having me on. Thank you so much for listening to the Page 2 Podcast. If you'd like to find out more about the show or listen to more episodes, visit us at page2podcast.fm. That's page, the number two, podcast.fm. Our episodes are also available on a number of other platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Deezer, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Stitcher, TuneIn, and more. Additionally, you can also listen to our show on our new YouTube channel, if you'd like to become a sponsor or would like to be interviewed, get in touch with us at thepage2podcast at gmail.com. Until next time, happy optimizing.